you sold and closed 162 sides in one year as a solo agent. Is that correct? Yes, sir. That's amazing. I am a list person. When you, when I first meet you and, and I have my buyer consultation with you, I have a folder and it has a list. It has a list of what to expect. It has a list with bullet points of what not to do. So I, I have a list and a plan for every portion of my business, whether it's buying side or selling side. I don't know if you've heard of a gentleman by the name of Terry Watson. He says, only have a problem once. And he put into words what I try to do. If I, ha- if I had a problem with a, a system or a deal, I wanted to make sure that I did not have that problem again. So I've created everything from a checklist on what to do from the minute you get something under contract all the way to the closing table, what you do when you talk to someone for the first time off a lead generation system. Every day of the week has a something I focus on. Mondays are touch base with my under contract. So I will go through every property that I have under contract, which every property has a specific checklist. I see where I'm at on that. I communicate with those clients on that. Obviously, if something happens happens during the week, I communicate with them too. But every Monday, they're going to get a touch touch point on where we're at. Tuesdays is touch base Tuesday with my sellers. Um, Nowadays, you're not having to touch base weekly with your sellers. Hopefully, you're under contract by the second or third week. But back in the day, there were times where you would have to touch base with the seller and tell them nothing has changed. And so I really created just a habit of once a week, I talk to them regardless of if anybody's seen their property or not. Um, Wednesdays is touch base with buyers. So those that aren't like you're just not finding something for them, nothing new has come on the market, but you want them to know you haven't forgotten about them and that you're still keeping your eyes open for them. So that, and then Thursday's prospecting. Friday is following up on anything I might have missed. Every day I make sure that I post on my social media and that I've done that item of the day and that I have touched base with any new listing. So those are the three majors of every day. Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent, and welcome to Real Estate Agent Success Calls. Today, we're talking with Monica Angeles with Jones Heritage Realtors in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Last year, she sold 162 sides worth $20 million and earned $614,000 in GCI as a solo agent. Her average price is $126,000 with 42% buyers and 58% sellers. She's been an agent for 14 years. Welcome to the call, Monica. Thank you, Mike. I'm super excited to be on this. I listen to your show regularly, and it's a little surreal getting to actually participate. This is fantastic to have you here. I can't wait to find out what you're doing. I'm sure that everybody else is interested too and can't wait to dive in. But before we talk about what you're doing today, 
Let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Sure. Um, well, my husband and I felt it was important for me to be able to stay home with our children. So I was actually pretty privileged and I was a stay at home mom. I did a little entrepreneurial stuff here and there, um, but um, I actually started in real estate when I, so after my um, youngest was in school and I thought, okay, I'm going to join the workforce again. Um, we actually ended up adopting our niece and nephew who were then one and three years old. So we went from a family of three kids to a family of five. And so then I just baby stepped my way into real estate. <laughs> wow. Well, um, that was 14 years ago. Tell us about that first year. It sounds like it may have been part time. How did it go the first year? Were you able to find transactions? Did you ramp up quickly? Was it more of a stumble? What happened? Oh, no, it was really slow going, I would say, for about the next five years. It was just I was very, very part time. And to be honest, at first, I just started because my husband and I had just um, transitioned into buying rental property. And so my focus at that time was really more trying to keep an eye out on something that would benefit us and then just helping friends and family. I really thought if I could sell one home a month, that would be great return on investment for a part-time job. And uh, my husband now laughs at me because he said he knows how competitive I am. And he said, really, you thought you would be okay with one home a month. Okay. <laughs> Who were you trying to fool? <laughs> well, how about that first year? How many homes did you sell? Do you remember? I don't. It was, but it was probably around 10 or 12. It wasn't a whole lot. Right. So it was right in line with what your initial expectations were, yeah. but, but you really had the ambition. Your husband knew that you had that ambition to do more. Now yeah. you've ramped up over time. Was it a gradual progression or was there a year where you had a big jump? And if so, what happened? Yeah, um, actually it was around 2012, 13. I really considered not continuing my real estate career. You know, it's a very stressful job. And um, it was tense at the office I previously was at. And I just, I, I wasn't having fun anymore. And so I really, at that point, really had to have a sit down and, and determine if I really wanted to continue. And around 2014, everything just started to take off. I, I believe that was the year that I decided I was going to go ahead and, and pursue real estate as a career. And I decided to start buying leads. It was also the year that I stumbled upon and, and luckily got to be on the 2014 House Hunters. And so I think I just it was just a renewed energy in my business. And um, I got serious about it. And ever since then, it's just been it's been a, an increase. Very nice. Uh, now, in that the, the time period there between 2012, 2014, you were you were wondering about the business, whether you should continue. You were having second thoughts. What kind of transaction units, volume were you doing at that time? Okay, Mike, if you'll give me a second, I can look it up. <laughs> I was just curious if you if you knew what was kind of going on at that time. Had you, because you've hit this great stride. Had you started in your stride? Were you still selling maybe 12 homes a year? Where were you at? <laughs> I was averaging around 35 transactions a year. Oh, that's great. So you were basically about three a month at that time, had some question marks. Now, 
First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. You mentioned you got on this uh, this show, uh, House Hunters. Is that what you called it? Yes. Yeah. And tell me, how did you get on that show? People, I'm sure, are going to want to know. How did you get sure. on the show? What was it like? What was the experience? Sure. So I had some clients that I knew personally that were living in Africa, and they decided to move home. And they're just a fun couple. And back then, the HGTV uh, House Hunters um, was just really popular. It might still be. But um, so they sent off their video. They got picked. And then I had to send off a video. And then they came to town, you know, and we live in a small little community of 25,000 people. Our whole county is 40,000. And so to have a national television show come to town was pretty exciting. <laughs> that was a big deal. Uh, how long did it take to film it? Did it take to happen in a day? Did it take a week? What happened? Oh, no, it was five days. We saw three properties. So each property took a full day. So I was with them for three of the five days. Wow. Wow. Would you do it again? Oh, yes, it was fun. <laughs> did you get paid? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> did you get a lot of publicity out of it? Did people recognize you? They did. And it was fun. But when they say 15 seconds of fame, really, it's about 15 seconds of fame. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, they, thanks for sharing that with us. Very few people have done that. And, and yeah. we get to hear what your experience was. Thank you. Now, you, you uh, can at that point in 2014, you decided you were going to really ramp this up and, and make a go of it. Yes. Um, was there anything that happened to make that change in your attitude? Any specific event that occurred? And what did you do to make the ramp up start? Not really. I think I just decided that, you know what? Yes, I did want to continue to do this. And it was going to be a career. It wasn't just going to be something that I was dabbling in. And so I started looking at different venues for lead generation. Because I was always, I hated the, the for sale by owner expired, but I did them. And I ended up starting that. That's when I started buying some leads and just really working them. And so just that's when my systems really just kind of started to, to get burst, I guess. And um, every year after that, I would start tracking and seeing what needed to be tweaked. So we're going to come back to and talk about the leads that you're getting from the internet. We're going to talk about marketing and lead generation a little bit later. So everybody wants that stick around. Uh, let me ask this. You said that you started to develop systems that have really helped you leverage up your business. And in order to do the number of units that you're doing, uh, the 162 sides, you must have some amazing systems in place. When you hear the word system, what does that mean to you? Plan. You know, I am, I am a list person. When, you, when I first meet you and, and I have my buyer consultation with you, I have a folder and it has a list. It has a list of what to expect. It has a list with bullet points of what not to do. So I, I have a list and a plan for every portion of my business. 
business, whether it's buying side or selling side. And when you uh, have these lists, are they, they manual? Are you a manual person? You like to have them paper? Is it electronic? Where is it at? It's a little bit of both. I say I can do um, the new, the trendy, the, the popular, but when it really comes down to it, I am a pen and paper person. So I have it on an Excel spreadsheet, but my everyday carry around with me marking it up is on paper. So I do both. Got it. Um, and you also, I think you did a great job of describing a system. It's something you're going to repeat over and over, and you want this plan, this process to ha- make that happen. You also said the key word that I always hear, which is checklist. You're going down a checklist to make sure you don't miss anything right. and it goes nice and smooth. But yes. that probably took a little while to develop those checklists. Did you create them yourself or did you acquire them from somewhere else? No, I created them myself. Um, I do, I don't know if you've heard of a gentleman by the name of Terry Watson. He has spoke at our conventions a couple of times and he says, only have a problem once. And he put into words what I try to do. If I, ha- if I had a problem with a, a system or a deal, I wanted to make sure that I did not have that problem again. So I've created everything from a checklist on what to do from the minute you get something under contract all the way to the closing table, what you do when you talk to someone for the first time on a lead, on a, off a lead generation system. Um, so you, prospecting. You. give us some more of those uh, ideas of these events that are occurring, these systems that you have. You've mentioned the under contract to close phase, that transaction management. People are very familiar with that now with the TCs and everything else. You mentioned that initial contact conversation with a lead. What other things can, can you pop off the top of your head, the systems that you use all the time that have been the most beneficial? Um, anytime that I get a lead come in from anyone, whether it's a referral or it's a, bot, a purchase lead, I have a system where, you know, how many times I'm going to contact them. And um, every day of the week has a something I focus on. Mondays are touch base with my under contract. So I will go through every property that I have under contract, which every property has a specific checklist. I see where I'm at on that. I communicate with those clients on that. Obviously, if something happens happens during the week, I communicate with them too. But every Monday, they're going to get a touch, touch point on where we're at. Tuesdays is touch base Tuesday with my sellers. Um, nowadays, you're not having to touch base weekly with your sellers. Hopefully, you're under contract by the second or third week. But back in the day, there were times where you would have to touch base with the seller and tell them nothing has changed. And so I really created just a habit of once a week, I talk to them regardless of if anybody's seen their property or not. Um, Wednesdays is touch base with buyers. So those that aren't like you're just not finding something for them, nothing new has come on the market, but you want them to know you haven't forgotten about them and that you're still keeping your eyes open for them. So that, and then Thursday's prospecting. Friday is following up on anything I might have missed. Then I have a a system for touching base with my sphere. And I do something once a month with them, whether it's, an email, a postcard, a Facebook event, or an in-person event. I, I do one of 
those each month and just kind of rotate. Um, we're going to come back to that as well, uh, dig into that a little deeper. But you mentioned this idea of having a focus each day. Yeah. Uh, for instance, doing the, the weekly reports for your under contract, your sellers, your buyers. And do you do that during a certain time of the day? If so, when? Not really. That is one of the things I need to work on is actually time blocking. But as long as I get it done, it's on, again, every day has a list and every day I make sure that I post on my social media and that I've done that item of the day and that I have touched base with any new listing. So those are the three majors of every day. And then after those three, I can start on my actual list of what needs to be done for each transaction. For your under contract list, is it where you open up a physical file and on the left side is the checklist on the right side, you're building the file. You know, that's the old thing we used to do in the past. Is that what you're still doing? Uh, and you're popping out each file and looking at it and running through it each day, or is it more sophisticated than that? Well, I wouldn't say it's a whole lot more sophisticated than that. I actually have a spreadsheet that I've made up for whether you're a seller or a buyer because there's a little bit of a difference. And then as I go through, I see, okay, for example, this week we've done all our inspections. Uh, this week is appraisal week. And so I know that that's the next step. I've, and so you just go through and check mark it. And so I know that I can say, hey, Mike, this week we're waiting on the appraisal. It's scheduled for so and such date. As soon as we have that, we can proceed to X, Y, and Z. So I do that with every one of my properties that's under contract. And if it just happens to be one of those weeks where you're kind of in between and you're not really waiting, you're, you're just kind of waiting for the bank to do their paperwork. You just let them know, hey, nothing new to report this week. Do you have any questions for me? How many properties do you tend to have uh, under contract at one time? <laughs> at one point, 20 to 25 was my, was my um, most. And then this past August, I had 38 under contract that were closing in August. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. And now I got to uh, do some clarification questions here. Uh, first of all, just to verify, you sold and closed 162 sides in one year as a solo agent. Is that correct? Yes, sir. That's amazing. Now, the next question people want to know is, did you have any administrative assistance helping you? If so, how many, what's their title, where'd you find them, and how do you compensate them? <laughs> okay. So my daughter, who's a college-age um, pre-med student, was helping me for about 10 hours a week. And this, this year, I knew last year we needed to up that, and she just didn't have the time to give me any more time. So I did hire a part-time, she works 15 hours and she takes care of items like putting out my signs, um, running errands, uh, putting labels on postcards, that kind of things that just take a while that I could be spending on actually calling my clients and looking up houses. Wow. Okay, so she's uh, acting as the, in the old days, we called that a gopher. She's running around, taking care of all these uh, things that need to be done uh, as far as running around outside the office, like putting up the signs. Yes. Is she doing any, do you have anybody doing the transaction management, the listing management, or are you doing that all yourself? 
I am doing that myself. There's an on occasion, I will have her fill out the name, the address, what price we're listing on the actual contract. But I, you know, whether it's called OCD or just whatever you want to label it, I want to know exactly what's going out to my clients. So I do take care of everything that is client related. Have you ever taken the DISC personality profile, the D-I-S-C? And if so, do you know what you are? Um, whichever one that's um, authoritarian and in control. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. You yes. sound like a D, but also a yes. C. You like all those details to be making sure yes. they're taken care of. Uh, yes. And so you, you're almost maybe a chameleon in that you're taking care of multiple things there. That's really interesting. Um, I'd like to go back for just a quick second and talk about where you're at. I think that's going to be surprising to people. So uh, describe your, your city, uh, how many, the population, where it's located, the county, uh, how many agents are active there. Give us more perspective there. Okay. Yes. I live in Pittsburgh, Kansas. No H on the end of Pittsburgh. It's in the Southeast corner of Kansas. Um, Missouri is in, and, and Oklahoma are just not too far away, right around the corner, as we like to say. Uh, my town of Pittsburgh has roughly about 25,000 people and our county is about 40,000. Wow. And now is, did I understand correctly, that's a college town? It is a college town. We have a Pittsburgh State University. Is that a lot of your business? Uh, do you work a lot with the students or with the faculty? It's part of our business. I wouldn't say it's a lot of our business, but there's definitely about every four-year turnaround. You have you know, students that parents are coming in to buy homes for, the, for their kids that are going to college. And of course, you have the faculty that are coming in and out. I wouldn't say it's a huge portion of our business. Very nice. Uh, this has been a, a lot of fun understanding kind of this big picture of where you're at and what you're doing. Now, you started to talk about lead generation earlier, and that's one of my favorite topics. So I'd like to go there now and talk about okay. some marketing and lead gen. Um, I'm going to start with a, a different area first, though. The, my understanding from what we talked about earlier is that the, the biggest portion of your business is coming from repeat referrals. You built yes. up this database. It was about half your business last year. Let's dive into that. The first question for you is how big is your database of past clients and sphere of influence? Well, what I've looked at as far as my mailing list, when you asked me that's about 350 households. Interesting. Okay. Uh, you said 350 houses. Uh, is it, did it start out as a geographic farm or you just mean like addresses? That's where people are. And I'm talking about everybody that lives in that house. Like Right. No, those are past mostly past buyers, some sellers, if I feel like, like you still have a connection to Pittsburgh or you're around here still, I, you're on the list. That's cool. So of the 350, uh, most of them are past clients. Um, how many are past clients? Do you know? Have you broken that out? All of them are. Yes. Oh, these are all past clients. Great. Yes. Do you have a separate database then with sphere of influence? I really don't. And I think I need to start one of those. I just try to, I'm a, I am a part of Rotary and a couple of different groups. I volunteer my time at a couple of different boards and of course, like a church. So some of that's my sphere. I don't 
reach out on a monthly basis to them. And um, definitely something I probably need to look at at least as a customer event or something like that. And we're going to go into uh, what I consider networking in your community. We'll talk about that in a second. That's a separate part of your business. Let's stick here just for a little bit longer on repeating referrals. They're basically coming out of your past clients. If I'm doing my math right, I mean, you've got 81 closings or so that came out of 300 uh, relationships with 350 people. Um, that's over 20%. That's going to be close to 22, 23% of the people in your database who have sent you and either repeated or referred that closed. That's awesome. So Thank let's you. talk now about what you're doing to make that happen, what your annual marketing plan is. And you start to allude to it earlier, but let's kind of dig into it. What exactly are you doing over the course of a year to stay in front of these people so they think of you when they think of real estate? Great. Okay, so for example, this year, we've sat down and I've planned my year out in, and in January, they're gonna, they have received a newsletter, just kind of highlighted, hey, thank you so much for being a great part of the success. And, and so I thank them and just give them highlights for the month, let them know that I'm available to them and uh, to their loved ones. Um, in February, I'll do a Valentine's Facebook event, just something fun where I give a, a giveaway away and do that. March is going to be a postcard. And mm, let's see, January, March, May is going to be an in-person event. So I try to just rotate um, three to four postcards a year, three events a year, a couple of Facebook events, so that because my husband told me, he says, Monica, are you emailing everybody every month? Because I think that would be annoying. <laughs> so, and you know, to me, I wouldn't mind it. If I'm receiving an email I don't want to read, I just delete it. But he's right. There's some people that don't want that one month seems too much. So if I'm trying to reach, give everybody an opportunity, but yet not bombard them the same way, then I hope to reach everybody. <laughs> Right. Keep going. You're doing a great job. So you're rotating a lot of different ways to contact. You got to, first of all, did you skip April? Was there nothing happening in April? Um, I'm trying to figure out what April was. Maybe April's another email. Okay. So April yeah. was an email. May was this in-person event. Yeah. yeah. Cinco de Mayo. Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, Cinco de Mayo is in May and that's a fun one. And then uh, keep going though, keep filling us out and then we'll go back and pick up the details. What happens the next month? Sure. So I, again, so I rotate between a Facebook event or a newsletter. Um, my, my in-person event so far is going to be a Cinco de Mayo event in May. We're tossing around doing a cookout slash fireworks, handing out fireworks, little sparklers or something to the kids on 4th of July. Uh, trunk or treat in October. And then I have an annual event in December. This year I did a come and go. So I just rented a little spot in town and I went and picked up about four or five local gift cards for businesses in town. I, I really try to do a support local uh, endeavor. And then um, hired a Santa Claus and Mr. Claus, sorry, Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus. And then I just ask my clients, you know, if you're going to receive a gift, what would you prefer? A candle, uh, a bottle of wine, white or red, 
or a plant. Um, and so they let me know what they want. I go pick it all up and it's just a come and go event. I get to see about 75 people. They get a gift that they like, not just something they're going to toss and they get a picture with Santa and it's a fun event and it's pretty low key because everything's come and go. I did it a couple of years ago with food and I just realized you really don't need that extra hassle and expense. What a great idea. So that it's like uh, when people do a pie day event, when people come and pick up a pie, it's just you've changed it up for an item of value. You've given them a list of three, two and a, three and a half items, right? Because wine could be one or the other. Right. Uh, but you have the candle, the wine or the plant. They can pick which one they like. You pick them up. They're there for them to go. Uh, I assume you're inviting everybody on the 350 and 75 yes. have agreed to show up each year. Yes. Does that sound right? Yes. Okay. So that's really great. That's about 20% of the people are actually coming in and, and participating. Uh, and you're doing three events throughout the course of the year, three in-person events, which is great because events are wonderful reason mm -hmm. to contact them, talk about the event, the post event, all these reasons to stay in touch. Yes. Did you say you're also doing online events? Yes. Tell us yeah, about so that. Yeah. So a Facebook event. Um, one of the things we did during COVID is we sponsored a school and we went out and bought these $2 miniature pumpkins. We took them to the fourth grade class. We told them that we would give them a prize for first, second, and third for the ones that were, that were voted on. And um, every, so the, so every fourth grader decorated them in that school, we took pictures of them, posted them online. And then we gave prizes to the ones that received the most votes. That's fantastic. How smart is that? Uh, so the kids loved it. And of course, their parents love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and uh, now, did you say that that is a, a Facebook event, though? Is that a Facebook or a live event? How would, That's kind of both, isn't it? Well, during COVID, it wasn't because we didn't get to participate in any of for them to pick up the pumpkins. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we, then they would all, post the teachers, a picture of their pumpkin online yeah. and everybody would vote. Yeah. I got it now. I was missing a piece in my mind, but now I got it. Yeah. That's cool. Have you done any other online events where you're getting a lot of participation? Not yet. I'm trying to come up with a good one for February. So if anyone has any great ideas, please <laughs> contact me. <laughs> right. Uh, boy, maybe you could have them write love poems for yes. their, uh, their spouse, right? Yes. Or, or maybe take a picture kissing their spouse, uh, right? Or a fun shirt. I, this is fun, right? This is great. Yeah. Be very creative. That's what a great yeah. idea. And then uh, to give away prizes. I'll throw out a, a quick idea at you when you do that. Uh, give away first, second, and third prize, but give away another prize for everybody or a whole group of people, a large amount of people. So everybody feels like a winner. That was from one yeah, of that's a good top one. agents that she had that idea, uh, but Jen Burns. And so uh, you guys both have that same idea uh, and maybe that'll help a little bit. Cool. Thank you. Well, thank you for walking us through your annual marketing plan. Have you ever counted up how many touches you have throughout the course of the year when you do this? My goal is one a month. Yeah, I think if, you're I, if everybody that, participated right? in every one, then I would have touched every one of my clients 12 times. Now, we all know somebody, some of them aren't on your Facebook page. Some of them just 
you know, don't open their email. But if everyone received everyone, every touch point that I tried to do, it would be 12 for the year. That's great. And then those uh, events and parties, maybe even more because uh, you're reaching out so many times to invite them. Yes. Is that true? Yes. You do more than one. Yes. So I'll do an email blast. I'll do a texting and I will also send a flyer in the mail. So each, each client, whether they attend or not, at least I'm at the forefront three different times, letting them know it's available. Love it. So each event has four contacts minimum, that email invite, the text invite, the mail invite, then the, if they show up at the event itself, do you do a post event where you show pictures of the event? So that's yes. five contacts, the post yes. event wrap up. Yeah. And you're doing that three times a year. So right there, you've got at least 15 touches plus all the others that you're doing. That sounds really smart to me. Um, and it's paying off. It's paying yes. off with all these folks participating. Uh, any other things you're doing with your uh, past clients to get more business? For instance, do you have a, a top 10 list or a top 20 or 25 people that give you the most referrals? Do you do anything special with them? Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R E A L G dot TV. Now, back to the show. I'm actually having a wine um, tasting event at my house this year, and that will more than likely be for my top referral. And I will also do the same where I make sure to put it in an email and make sure to send it out to people. I do, whenever somebody sends me a referral, I do let them know, please let me know who referred. Um, that's one of my tracking methods. That way I know where to put my advertising dollars. So I will ask you, Mike, how did you hear about me? And he'll say, oh yeah, my friend Susie gave me your number. And I say, great. So then I immediately go get a gift card again, local um, to, and I send Susie a thank you note and I give her a gift card and um, mark it down as referral. Perfect. That's great. Yeah, you've mentioned uh, in our, early, our pre-talk uh, information that you do a lot of tracking. So you make sure that you're investing in what's yeah. valuable to you. And I was curious where you did the tracking. And it sounds like this is it. When you start the initial conversation, part of that script, that system that you have is to ask them how they heard about you. Yes. And then yes. you're tracking then, that in a spreadsheet or something. Yes. So I track it three different times. When I first meet you or first have that conversation with you and you're on my buyer list, I'm going to ask you how. And then when we go under contract, I'm going to write it down there. And then my assistant, when we close it, will go in and tally it onto what category you're at. And then at the end of the year, we tally all the results. And see where it's going. That's smart. Um, when, when you're going out there, you're getting all these referrals. You're making a lot of contacts and touches with people. Do you ask directly for a referral or does it happen more by osmosis? It just kind of happens because you're in touch with them. Both. I do once a year, I do also send out just specifically a referral postcard. And um, 
the three different postcards that I send out, usually they have to do with either spring or fall, the change of season. And I say on there, you know, if you or anyone you know is looking to make a change, please reach out. So I would guess, yes, that's, that's directly asking. Um, when I see people, you know, that sometimes they'll joke and they'll say, well, we're not moving. We love our house. We're never moving. And I just say, yeah, but you might know someone that is. <laughs> and uh, so just always kind of tossing it in there. Okay, good. So it sounds like you're not asking directly in a conversation. It's just that in some of your marketing, it's asking directly. Is that true? I would say so. Yes. I don't ever call someone up and just say, hey, who do you know that's looking to buy or sell? Right. That was where I was getting. So you don't ask, even though you're a deep personality and very direct, you're not using that in your marketing or your request for referrals. I think I'm using it in my marketing because I'll ask. And then like I, on some of the, this last year, I did send a postcard that said, Hey, the market's hot. Who do you know? You know, we're low on inventory. So I've sent a couple of those postcards, but as far as conversation, um, that's actually one of the things I struggle with is making sure that I, I make that phone call. Um, I'm trying to get up to a certain number of conversations a week. That's just about real estate. But I, I'm more of a texter slash emailer slash postcard to just call you up and say, hey, how are you doing? How's the house? Who do you know? Is not really my style, just like door knocking is not really my style. So I think you just have to really know what works for you and what you're comfortable with because, man, the public's going to see through it. If you're not comfortable. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned you're trying to get to a certain number of conversations per week. How many? Well, the goal was 50. And then I soon realized I do not do good with that. So I, I, I set it for 25 to start. <laughs> okay. So five a day basically would be a little more comfortable. Yeah. And you mentioned you do a lot of texting and email. Do you consider that a conversation when say the text goes back and forth or the email goes back and forth? Or is a conversation for you, it has to be face to face or on the phone oral? On the 25 goal? Right. It has to be oral conversation. You have to actually be speaking with them. Okay, yeah. good. Good. And have, how long have you been doing the 25 uh, conversations a week? That was actually a goal this year. That's oh, this one of the new. things I, yeah, that's one of the things I heard on. Here's my thing. I listen to a podcast every day and I switch it around. And my, my thought process is if I can take away one nugget from listening, it takes me about 30, 45 minutes in the morning to get ready. So if I can take out, take away one nugget of truth that I can apply to tweak my business, then it's a great return on investment. So, and one of them, I, I kept hearing the 50 touch point, 50 conversations. And I thought, oh yeah, I run into 50 people, no problem. But do I talk real estate or let them know I'm in real estate 25 times a week? So far I found out, no, I don't. <laughs> right. You really don't know till you start tracking yeah. something, right? Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Well, let's do this. Let's uh, move into the next area of um, your lead gen. And that's what I would put in the category of networking. And that's where you're networking with people in the community and the community organizations. Uh, which organizations are you participating in? And um, how often and how are you networking within that group? Part of Rotary, it's uh, truly love Rotary, service above self. So I go every Tuesday. My broker got me involved in that. And um, 
So I meet with them every Tuesday. And of course, the conversation is always, hey, how's the market? What are you doing? What's going? So that's kind of an easy given. Um, I'm a part of Hearts and Hammers, and that's an organization that helps people that can't necessarily afford to do small exterior repairs to their home. And so we do a big blast once a year where we help either, you know, from 10 to 15 homes, do some painting and we get uh, volunteers organized for that. Um, Then of course there's um, Habitat for Humanity that builds homes. I'm on the board for the local YMCA and Salvation Army. And that's just a good opportunity to give back to the community and, and meet people. And it's been good. And that's awesome. And that's about, that results in about 13% of your business. If I had that number right, about 21 closings last year, uh, about two a month, uh, basically by being a good citizen and going out there and meeting with folks, it's a, it's a big win on all sides. When you're out there in these community organizations, and you might, I think we may have already answered this, but let's go ahead and ask, are you directly asking for referrals from folks or is it just coming up that people ask you how the market is? People ask me how the market is. Sometimes people say, hey, what should I do in this situation? Um, you know, it, it just, and I always, I, I always try to come at it from a service mindset and just say, hey, if there's anything I can do to help, just let me know. And, you know, everybody knows somebody. That's kind of your script, isn't it? If there's anything that I can do to help, yeah. just let me know. Yes, very much so. That's a simple one for people to do as a little add-on to the end of a conversation, right? Yes. Let's move now into internet leads. It was about 15% of your business last year, about 24 closings. You mentioned that a few years back when you were ready to ramp up, you decided to go into internet leads how did you do that? How did you make the transition and internet leads? Was it smooth? Did it work right away? Did you have to, what did you have to do to make it work? Give us some of the background. If somebody was out there listening and they're thinking about going into internet leads and they, or they're trying it and they're not making it work, what did you do to get into it and make it work? Two options in our area. Again, we're rural. We're not uh, metro. So I don't know if the metro population has has more people knocking down the door. Actually, there was a couple that I looked into that said, yeah, we just don't have enough you know, we don't service your area yet. And so we really were only had about two options. And so I just kind of signed up for some and looked at my budget and said, okay, I'm going to try X amount of dollars. And um, if you know me, you know that I absolutely hate to waste money. So I needed (laughs) to make sure that if I was going to sign up for this, I was going to have those conversations and I was going to try to follow up. And, um, And yeah, I think I'm pretty consistent unless you tell me, A, you've bought from someone else or B, you're dead. Then until you tell me, I do not want to hear from you again. And I try not to be a pest. I try to, again, come from it from a service standpoint of, hey, is there any information I can get for you? Are you still considering a purchase? Um, But it's, it served me well, that consistency. There were a couple of times where people have taken maybe a couple of years to purchase, um, but eventually did. And it was just because I was consistent with them. Let's get some big picture metrics. Uh, Do you know what, first of all, where are you getting these internet leads? What source was working in your rural area where it may be less? What kind of leads from who, where are they, how are they coming in? Right. Zillow and realtor.com. 
And then I do have the occasional like Mellow Home or Home Light referrals. Okay, great. Uh, and uh, do you have any stats on say how many Zillow leads you get before you get a closing? How many uh, realtor leads you get before you have a closing? One better than the other? Any kind of conversion numbers? Um, not really. I can tell you how many I did each year. Um, what I tend to do is as soon as I have come in and I show them a property, it's going to turn into something besides, hey, I accidentally clicked the need more information button. So it's a little bit more substantial than that. Then they are on a list that's just on an Excel list. And I have averaged that list has about 25 slots. So I go through the years and I have averaged about six closings per 25. So I would say whether, whether it's a, a um, Zillow lead, a realtor.com lead, or a referral, anytime I'm actually past the point of just, hi, how are you? And it's an actual lead that's looking, they go on that list. And so... The, the fun part is in the summer, that list fills up in a matter of like three weeks. In the winter, it's a little bit longer, but it's fun to know because I know that if I am consistently following up with those 25 people, that I will end up with a closing of, of six, so about 25%. Yeah, one in four, 25%. That's pretty good. That's really good for internet leads. Now, it's not all the internet leads that you right. got, though. It sounds like you you've qualified them in that you have an initial conversation, yes. and if they they have to have some kind of serious motivation, and then they go on the list. Does that sound correct? Yes, correct. Okay, and if they're a tire kicker, they accidentally click the button. You know, you you can sense there doesn't seem to be any real motivation. You it sounds like you put them aside. You don't follow up with them. I still do. I follow up with them, just not on, I'm not sending them homes every day. They're not on my, on my serious buyer list, the hot buyer list. So instead of like, let's say you're looking for a four bedroom, $250,000 house and you're pre-qualified, you're going to go on that hot buyer list. So as soon as that comes on, I'm going to send you that listing and say, Hey, let me know if this is something you would like to look at. Whereas if you're not pre-qualified, you're kind of looking, I'll still send it to you and then, but you're not going to be at that same priority level. And once a month, I will go through that entire list, whether you're a hot buyer or not and say, Hey, how are you doing? Have you gotten pre-qualified? Have you, is this still going to be something that you're looking for? And they tend to just weed themselves out. You mentioned that you're going to send them a hot property when it comes up. Is that hop happening automatically and a computer is sending them listings or are you actually going in searching and then personally directing that listing to them? Right. So I have my hot buyer list um, divided into price points. And so when something comes up and again, you, you got to realize we're rural America. So we're not we're not getting a hundred listings a day. We're right now there's one listing that came on today. So, but in the heat of the market, you're probably getting 10. So each day I will look through that 10 and I will shoot whoever has that that works for. If there's a four bedroom for 250, I'm going to shoot all my four bedroom, 250 people that, that well up to 350, cause they might, but I'm going to shoot them that property um, 
I, I understand that you can do that automatically through email, but there is something personal about knowing if I do that through email, I don't know what they've received unless I go in, take the time to look at what's been sent to them. It does not take me but a couple of minutes a day to go through what's been listed and to personally send it to them from my phone. And um, I just think that little bit of extra personal touch really makes a big difference in the end. Are you sending it uh, as an email, as a text, as a voice message? Okay, sending as a text which more people open anyway the text than they do with the emails. The open rate's way, way higher. Uh, And and as you said, it looks a little bit more personal because it is more personal. You're you're doing that. And you take, what, about 30 minutes, an hour each morning to do that? Oh, goodness. 10? 10 minutes? Yeah, you're looking at the old, well, in the old days, we'd call it a hot sheet. You're looking at the yeah. old hot sheet, seeing yeah. what's coming new on the market and seeing if there's any matches. You're being a true broker, matching and sending out. Yeah. I got a question there for you. Uh, how many of these transactions have you double-ended where you're working with both the buyer and seller and you've brought them together? 40. So that'd be 40. a total of 80 transactions. Yeah. Wow. So 80, that's, that's a big, big group. That's almost half of the business is getting uh, double ended by you. You're acting as a true broker. That is really cool. That's unusual as well. Uh, how, what do you think about doing those double ended transactions? Well, in a, in a way, Mike, I kind of think it's a little bit of a, of a niche for me. Just, I think my absolute favorite part is especially in the past year or so when, when inventory has been so low is when someone comes to me and just says, um, well, I would sell my house if you could find me X, Y, and Z. And it's almost like a challenge. It's almost like a little bit of a behind the scenes detective work. And so then you go and you find that. So then you're able to say, okay, well, here's this. Let's get you under contract and going that direction. And then let's put your house on the market and, and you know, And some people are able to do it without the contingency. Some people are. And then sometimes there's even that original seller that says, okay, now I need a place to go. So it's very tricky, but um, it's a lot of fun. And I really feel like that for me is when all the pieces of the puzzle really come together and you're really able to help somebody that wouldn't have been able to get there without your assistance. That's so cool. True matchmaker, old fashioned brokering. I love it. I love it. That is really neat. Um, uh, Let me go back and ask a question about these internet leads. I got to wrap this part up. You mentioned that you have this initial conversation where you're qualifying them, finding out where they're at. What does that conversation sound like? What are you doing in that script? Well, it's changed a little bit, especially in this season, because a lot of people are not wanting to deal with FHA, USDA, and uh, VA loans. So that kind of gives me a little bit of a lead lead into, instead of just like, hey, she's just wanting to know so that she knows whether she wants to work with me. It's really, again, comes from a service standpoint of, can you just let me know what type of loan you're pre-approved for, as there's some properties that won't fit your loan type possibly, and I don't want you to waste time. And so then they're very, oh, I haven't even checked into that, or yes, I have a USDA loan, or it's 
cash. So it, it, the environment has kind of allowed me to, to be able to ask those questions. That's really neat that you're able to do that pre-qual and the financing to find out exactly what their motivation is, right? And that's what you're curious about, but right. you're able to find out what their financing is and also in this idea of what's going to be available, what kind of property should you be sending them? Right. Yeah, that's a great lead in. Uh, Monica, I just have a quick question for you uh, to wrap up internet leads. How many of those internet leads that come in, do they close quickly, like within 30 days? Not many. I, I don't know an exact stat, but um, for us, it takes at least 30 to 45 days from the time that an internet lead or any lead um, comes into closing. So you're only looking at cash at that point because our cash deals can close in two to four, two to three weeks. So minimal. Yeah, let me let me rephrase my question. So it, when you get these internet leads in, how quickly do you find out they're going to become a client? Uh, you know, and you, you start actually working with them to search for homes or list their house. Is it happening really fast within 30 days or you know, most oh. of these leads taking six months or a year to follow up with? Does, does that make sense what I'm asking? Correct. Okay. No. Yes. Are they a hot buyer basically or right. a hot seller? Yeah. Yes. Um, the, the majority of them are. Once I've, once I've spoken to them, I'll know right away. And then I just immediately, I'll send them a text. I'll say, hey, if you're not pre-qualified yet, let me send you a couple of people that I do a lot of work with that I trust that I know are going to treat you like family. And then I will then follow up with them in a day or two. And to me, if you're not serious enough to get these people called, then you're, you're not serious. I will show a house. I'll show you a house once. I'll show you a couple houses, you know, on the list once. But after that, I really try to tell you how um, it's incredibly important to make sure that your ducks are in a row. Otherwise, you could find something you love and, and lose out on it because you didn't do the legwork up front. You went right into a question I was going to ask, which is, do you require them to get pre-qualified before you'll show? And it sounds like the answer is you'll show one to meet them. Yes. And that's it. If they then yes. get pre-qualified after that, that's no more relationship. Do you uh, have them sign a buyer agency or a buyer agency agreement with you? You know, I really don't. I just really go there. They're on occasion, I do. If they really want representation and I need to be able to to act as a buyer's agent for them, I do. Um, but as far as holding your feet to the fire, I just, I'm not, you're either gonna work with me because you wanna work with me and you feel that I have provided you with good service and that you can trust me and that I will represent you. Or if you decide you wanna buy a for sale by owner, I'm, I'm not chasing you down for a paycheck. Got it, very nice. Uh, Monica, this has been a lot of, of fun. Uh, agents have been listening to us. You've mentioned a couple ideas around this topic. So I need to ask, are you profitable? Yes, sir. <laughs> Could you give us some perspective on that? Do you know what your profit margin is? Percentage? 63%. 63% uh, net profit margin. So basically if a hundred dollars comes in the top of the funnel and the gross commission, uh, $63 is coming home with you uh, and your family, correct? Correct. That's that's after I've taken out taxes and paid my assistant, all my, all my expenses. Yes, that's... Including taxes? Yes. 
Oh, wow. And so if it was before taxes, it'd probably be closer to 75, 80%. About 75, 80, yeah. Yep. Wow. Wow, that is a fantastic margin. You really are watching and monitoring your expenses, as you mentioned earlier. Yes. Um, and uh, cutting back on those. Thank you for doing that uh, and explaining that to us. Like, why do you think that you've been so successful? Wow. Um, well, I'm pretty determined. I've got uh, my parents raised me to have a, a very good work ethic. I've, I, I used to joke, you know, when I used to hire a couple college boys or something to help me around the house with landscaping or something that I, I could outwork them. But <laughs> truth is, um, you know, when when you're hired to do a job, you do you do a good job. You give it 110 I was a waitress very early on in life. I was 14 when I started working. And I think everybody needs to work in customer service at some point in their life. Um, I grew up in the customer is always right era. So um, you just really learn how to try to please the customer, um, even when they're difficult. And um but really, I would say my my biggest uh, secret is that I have a really amazing support system. My kids are older at this point, and my husband's great because in the summer, no joke. I mean, I'm working from 7 a.m. until about 11 p.m. sometimes. I mean, at home, but I, you know, I'm still busy working. And then, um, but my motto is: I work hard so I can play hard. I love to travel. We, um, COVID's kind of put a little bit of a damper on that, but we still do quite a bit of traveling. And so the brokerage that I work for knows that, supports that. Um, we, I've worked here for my, the years I've done the most have been the last four years and I've worked here since then. Um, my broker was really honest with me when I first came over and, um, he showed me how I had great sales because again, I was doing a lot of the internet leads and my sphere. So I had good sales from a buyer standpoint, but I wasn't a great listing agent. And with my personality, all you have to tell me is that I'm not good at something. And then I get really motivated to be good at that. And so I studied and, you know, it's like, okay, what do I need to do? And I really threw myself into listings, which has really helped the last two years. Um, and so they're just, they're great. You know, they're, I believe that the atmosphere that you work in really will make or break you. And so we celebrate each other's successes. We're for each other. And when I'm gone, they jump in and, and take care of as much as possible on the ground while I'm away. Excellent. Now, now you mentioned, and, and maybe you kind of caught to my point, which is that you're traveling. You're able to get away from your business. Most people would hear your volume and think there's no way she's ever getting away. And I understand COVID changes things, but prior to COVID, uh, how often were you able to take a trip and travel? How often through the course of the year and for how long? Yes, I would have to travel about every quarter. So we were at least gone a week to 10 days. My my rule of thumb is I'm I'm gone no less than 10 days if it's overseas. So if I'm in Europe, it has to be 10 days due to the time that it takes to travel. Um, so, you know, they get on to me because there's still things that I try to do on my own. I've written contracts up while I'm in a hotel in Pompeii or, uh, you know, when I'm in getting ready to go hike Machu Picchu. I mean, 
I, I try to do as much as possible because with the internet, you can, but there's just things you absolutely cannot do that you need to depend on people in your office. And I just have a great group of people that are honestly just willing to help me. We're willing to help each other. Is that how you've set it up that you have uh, travel buddies? So they cover for you when you're gone, you cover for them when they're gone, or do you compensate them? Um, How does that work? No, we just kind of naturally fell into it. Um, I, one of my other agents that works in the office, he does some traveling with horse shows and we just naturally said, Hey, you know, would you mind covering me here? And I try to spread the love around, so to speak. So if I have four, try not to dump them all on one person of that. But, um, and there's times where I think my rule of thumb is if I have a working relationship with this client and a house comes up, would you show them for me? And there's no compensation there. If I get a lead off of, you know, a, a purchased lead and I don't have a prior relationship with that person, I will just, I will just give it to them. I, I won't require a, a uh, compensation on that part. As far as a referral fee, I just give it to them partly as a thank you for helping me out while I'm gone. That makes sense. Thank you for sharing that with us. Monica, Um, Let me ask this. If you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, tell them to do first. Well, to get a mentor. Um, I think too many times people are afraid to ask questions. They're afraid that they're going to be a burden. And there are so many people out there that have been doing this for a while that don't mind sharing their they're what works for them, what doesn't. Um, and so learn, ask a bunch of questions and then find out what works for you. Um, and then like, for example, I'm not, a, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not a door knocker. Um, I'm not a cold caller. Now I love slide dial because I can make those cold calls with the slide dial um, app. So just find what works for you um, and always be learning. Like I mentioned earlier, I listen to a podcast daily And I know when COVID first happened, I listened to um, Shift, the book again on podcasts. And I just, I'm always trying to see what I can do to tweak my systems so that you can work smarter and not harder. That's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? I think that if you're in real estate, it is an absolutely amazing career choice and that you can make it whatever you want to make it. And that it's not just the agents in the big city with the big price houses that can make a good uh, career and living out of it. You get out of it what you put into it. Boy, and you've proven that, Monica. You have proven that. Thank you so much for taking the time to work with uh, to talk with us today. Well, I appreciate being on your show, Mike. Like I said, I listen to it regularly and there's always somebody that has some kind of nugget of truth that you can walk away with. Uh, Thank you, Monica. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for joining us on Success Calls. Keep moving forward. Bye. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks.
If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at FreeLeadTime.com. That's FreeLeadTime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.